This is Church of the Resurrection in Wheaton, Illinois. So I want to give you a lifeline, a line that represents our lives. This will be the day that you were born. And all over there will be the lectern. The lectern, that'll be the day that you die. And if we're going to actually begin, we actually need to begin one step over here because before you were actually born, you were a zygote, you were an embryo, you were a fetus, you were a preborn child. You weren't just a clump of cells, you were a human being in its most fragile and unformed shape. And you needed lots of help especially from your mother, and she needed help around her because you were literally drawing life from her. And then when you were born, you needed help. It's hard getting out of there. You remember? It was hard. Your mom needed help. She sure remembers. And you were six years old, six weeks old. You needed help getting fed. You couldn't feed yourself. You needed help getting your messy diapers changed. So if you're watching a live stream, kids, and you're under 12 years old, I want you to turn to your mom or dad right now and say thank you for changing all those poopy diapers for years. Thank you. Unless you did it yourself. Then you needed help riding your bike, your first day of school. You needed help getting your driver's license. You needed help maybe writing college essays, picking your school, somebody driving you there. Maybe you played sports, maybe you played a musical instrument. You needed help, somebody to teach you. Then you got your first job. Someone probably helped you, showed you something about how to do that job. Then later in life, you got a new job. You needed more help. Some point, you needed help, what it means to be a man, what it means to be a husband, what it means to be a woman, what it means to be a wife, what it means to be a mother, what it means to be a father. You needed role models, you needed help. And then maybe later you got sick, or maybe you're sick now, or maybe a loved one got sick. You needed help, you needed doctors, you needed the medical profession, you needed their expertise, you needed lab technician, you needed that x-ray technician, you needed that MRI technician. Then you get older, and once again, you need lots of help. More help than any of us really feel comfortable talking about. Two years ago, I made one of the last trips back to Minneapolis to see my dad, who died a year and a half ago. I helped him get out of bed. I helped him get into his wheelchair. I helped him go to the bathroom. I helped him get back into his wheelchair. I helped get him to the table. I helped get him fed. I helped him get back into bed. All life long, we need help. The philosopher Alastair McIntyre, he said, when you see a newborn baby, you see what you once were, who you once were. When you see an older person in a, in a wheelchair, you see what you will be. When you see somebody with, per with disabilities, when you see somebody that's sick, you see somebody who you could be. 
This is not ailing to you. You realize you could be, or this could be your child. You need help. And yet, for some reason, I, for some reason, I and, and, and us, we think that to be a good Christian, to be a good church person, to be a successful follower of Jesus, means that we sort of graduate beyond our need for help. Or we don't admit to anybody that we need help. So we keep it to ourselves that that's the mature Christian thing to do. Well, in our gospel readings that you heard, we see something that just pops out. There's a word that pops out. It's a word from Jesus' lips. It's the word helper. The helper, he calls this. So you have two options if you want to follow along. So you can follow in your Bible, which is going to be a little harder today. So I encourage you to follow along in this um, insert, which my assistant Julia Damien made, which is really beautiful and really helpful. So I think it's going to be a little easier to follow along with this. And so this is sections from the Gospel of John, chapters 14, 15, and 16. And this comes in a part of the Gospel of John called the Upper Room Discourse. So in John chapter 13, Jesus starts a teaching moment, a teaching time, which is, for the most part, not interrupted at all. And it starts with the foot washing. He washes the disciples' feet. And then it ends in chapter 17, before he goes to the cross, with this amazing prayer where he prays that all Christians from every background, every nation, every race, every language will be one in Christ, as Jesus says, my Father and I, as we are one. So in John chapter 14 to 16, on four times, Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit with a name, gives the Holy Spirit a name, the Helper. So if you're looking at page 10, look at in the red how that pops out. We've made it easy for you. We've done the homework for you. Um, I will give you another Helper, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. But when the Helper comes, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. Who is this Helper, which seems so important to Jesus' last teaching? I mean, if you're going to give somebody your, your last message before you die, you're, you're going to be very intentional about it. So who is this Helper? Well, look at the, some of the first verses, John chapter 14, verse 16. It says, and I will ask the Father, in the orange print there, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth. So sometimes people ask, where do Christians get the Trinity from? But once you understand the Trinity, once you worship in a, in a Trinitarian church like we are, you, you see the Trinity all over the place in the Bible. It's not some big secret. It's all over the place there. So here's this rich Trinitarian language. Who's speaking? Jesus, God the Son. Who's he talking about? God the Father, who sends the Spirit. And who is this helper? It's the Holy Spirit. Watch when we say the Nicene Creed. Watch the Trinitarian shape of it, the Trinitarian sound to it. Say the words, and you're, you're invoking the presence of the triune God. So this helper, helper is a very special word. What does it mean? So in the original language of Greek, it was the word parakletos, which 
meant literally the one called alongside to help. So para, we paralegal, uh, parallel lines, called along, alongside, and kletos means called. The one who is called alongside of us. So that's really clunky, and that's hard to say in English. So how do you translate that? Well, some people have translated it comforter, which is kind of part of it, but the Holy Spirit is not just comforting, so as we're going to see. Some people translate it advocate in sort of a legal sense, kind of like our defense attorney. And that's not really what's at play here in this context. Some people translate it as the true friend. Now that's getting closer, I think, getting warmer, um, because as long as you're thinking of a true friend, it's like, that's like a mentor, that's like a coach, that's like a, a mom or a dad um, or a teacher who tells you that they're the kind of friend that loves you enough to tell you the truth, and then after they tell you the truth, they love you enough to stick around. They don't cancel you, they don't shut you out, they don't cast you out of their life, they stay, they remain. So the Holy Spirit is that kind of helper. Notice that Jesus said in John 14, verse 17, you know him, this helper, for he dwells with you and he will be in you. He's within you. So that's getting close, but helper is a good word. We'll just stick with helper. So the ES, the English Standard Version translated of the Bible used helper. I think it's a good word. As long as we understand it's kind of a specific kind of help. So it's not help like, Man, I really need help getting that a Maserati. I'd really like a Maserati. Or let's say you're a college student and you got a final paper coming up and it's due in 24 hours. And you say, oh my gosh, God, I've completely blown this off. I've completely, I just have ignored this. Now, would you help me get this paper and get a really good grade on it? Because I'm going to need it for grad school. Now, he might help you with your anxiety, but it's not going to help you with the paper. It's a specific kind of help. So if you look at this again, you look at these blocks of italicized print, it says, he will. And then look at the second one, he will. And then look at the third one, he will. So it gives us specific ways that this helper wants to help us in our life with Christ. So there's a specific kinds of help. So, so let's look at these three ways that Jesus said the Holy Spirit can help us. First, the Holy Spirit can help us by reminding us of what Jesus said and applying it to our hearts today. So look at that first block of italicized print. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. This Spirit is the Spirit of truth. So notice that four times, four times called the helper, four times called the Spirit of truth. Back earlier in John chapter 14, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. Wait a minute. And, and then earlier in the Gospel of John, it says, God the Father seeks those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. So wait a minute. Who's the truth? Who's the source of truth? Is it God the Father? Is it God the Son? Is it God the Holy Spirit? Well, it's all of them. It's the triune God. It's a source of truth. And the older I get, the more I need people who love me enough to tell me the truth, but then love me enough to not bail on me, not cancel me. 
That's getting really hard in our culture today. To say what you think is the truth and then not to cancel somebody. We're not very good at that. The Holy Spirit doesn't want to do that. He wants to bring, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So Holy Spirit's job description is, I want to remind you what Jesus said, and I want to apply it to your heart. Why is that important? Because we are serial, compulsive forgetters of what Jesus said and the promises of the Bible and the commands of the Bible. We just, we just forget. We don't have to work hard at it. It just, we have a sticking problem, a mental sticking problem. So there is a degenerative brain disorder. It's very serious and, and usually irreversible, sometimes called by, caused by alcohol abuse, sometimes not, but it's called Korsakoff syndrome. And here's one description. It says it causes problems, learning new information, and an inability to remember recent events and long-term memory gaps. So hear me here. It's a very serious thing. I'm not making light of it. But I'm saying we have a very serious spiritual problem. Without the work of the Holy Spirit, without invoking the presence of the Holy Spirit, we have a profound case of spiritual Korsakoff syndrome. And 15 months in COVID, for many of us, has made it worse. So here's an example. You open your Bible and you read the words of Jesus in Matthew 25, and it says, just as you have treated the least of these, my brothers and sisters, the most vulnerable, the most fragile, the most marginalized, so you have treated me. And you realize that in this hyper-competitive, hyper-fast, busy, frantic, angry, outraged, everybody's got to be outraged about something, you've forgotten what Jesus said I want you to treat the least of these like it's me. And you pray, oh, come Holy Spirit, come. Bring these words, not just to my mind, but to my heart. Or look at this, this right here in, on the sheet here, on the, on, the, on the end of that first section under John 14. It says, Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Lest not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You wake up at 2.30 in the morning and you're, you're anxious. You're anxious about your life. You're thinking, where's my life going? And, and what's happening? And uh, there's somebody I care about that's in trouble and, and maybe it's a parent or maybe it's a, maybe it's a son, maybe it's a daughter. Maybe you're in college and you're wondering, what's my career going to be? And, and what's my marital status going to be? And, and who are my friends going to be after college? Or, or you're thinking and you get, you get anxious. You think about your own problems, you think about your own failures, the things you want to achieve that you didn't, and, and you, you don't have peace. And you, you can do this. You can say, put your hand on your heart if it helps, and just say, come, Holy Spirit, come. Help me remember the words of Jesus. And then you remember these words. Maybe you open your Bible, maybe you have them memorized. Jesus says, peace I leave you, my peace I give to you. Lord, let me receive that peace. Let me take it in. Let me receive it. You have a helper. 
The God of the Bible has revealed himself as a helper, not a hinderer, a helper. Second way the Holy Spirit helps. Look at the second block of uh, italicized. Under John 15, it says, He will bear witness about me, and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. So the first bear witness is, in the original language, it's future tense. The Holy Spirit is going to do this. This is part of the Holy Spirit's job description, to bear witness. But then the next witness, which it says, and you also will bear witness, is in the imperative. You got to do this. The Holy Spirit's not going to do that. The Holy Spirit will do this, but you got to do that. In other words, you're doing it together. Look at that teamwork. Isn't that amazing? So sometimes we think, well, sharing the gospel is, ah, it's all about getting somebody to change their mind. It's all about getting somebody to convert from one religion to another, or from, uh, from, from this to that, when really your first job is to join the Holy Spirit, invoke the Holy Spirit, who's already on mission, witnessing, opening hearts, working in people's lives in ways that you cannot fathom and see, and then you just come aside like, okay, how can I help? What's going on here, Holy Spirit, and how can I help? That's what it means to be a witness. And being a witness, by the way, is, is really simple. You see something, you experience something, you tell somebody about it. That's what it means to be a witness. It's really ordinary, everyday kind of stuff. So you might be in a court of law. You say, yes, I take a vow, put my hand on the Bible. I saw, I saw so-and-so with the club hit this person with the club. I can testify to that. Or it could be, you saw a beautiful sunset. Or it could be, like I did this week, I ate some amazing Filipino food at a restaurant in my community, and I, I wanted to tell people about it. I wrote a review. I wrote a five-star review. Or it could just be anything really simple. You see something, you experience something, you want to tell about it. We are joining the Holy Spirit in witnessing. Now, I want us to get urgency about this. We're in days where we need to be urgent. And as Father Brett pray, er, preached last week, we need what he called micro-boldness about this. I was talking to a friend of mine, a guy named Sebastian Vargas, and uh, there's Sebastian. Um, Sebastian is a missionary who came from Chile, Chile, to be a missionary here in our community. Did you know that probably two-thirds of the missionaries being sent out by the church around the globe are not coming from the Western world? So he came from Chile to be a missionary with us. And I was talking to Sebastian, and Sebastian said, he made this comment, something like, why do we always decide for people? And if those of you know Sebastian, you know he's very Sebastian-like, uh, very, Sebastian very passionate, using his hands, you know, it's like, why do we always decide for people what, what, how open they're going to be about the gospel? You know, why do we always think, like, that person would never be open? Why, I can't, I can't share the, the gospel with that person. It's like, why do we always do that? And I was thinking about that when I was, after I went to, some of us went to Christ Tabernacle last Saturday, our partner church in the Austin neighborhood of the west side of Chicago, and uh, the hundreds and hundreds of people lined up to get free diapers and baby wipes. Hundreds of people lined up outside. And 
I just started walking up and down the line just saying, do you need water? Do you need a chair? Hope you're having a good day, that kind of stuff. I had my clergy collar on, and this one guy comes up to me, and he says, hey, would you, would you, would you pray for me? I need you to pray for me. I said, okay. He said, I'm a Muslim, but I need, you to, I need you to pray for me. I need prayer. I said, okay, what's your name? Muhammad. That's certainly a Muslim name, so let me pray for you. So we, we prayed. He was so open to my prayer. I was doing a guy in line. He had a stroller. He had a three-month-old baby in there. I said, what a beautiful girl. He said, I bet, I bet her mother's just really proud. He said, her mother died in labor three months ago. It's like, oh, can we pray for you? I'll be praying for you. Absolutely. I would love that. I was talking to three Chicago police officers who were there. And I said, how's it going in the Chicago Police Department? Just kind of a very naive question. It's just kind of like, look, we're not supposed to talk about it, but it's rough. Never had so many people driving by, honking their horn. You think they're waving, but they're only waving one finger. You get what I mean? I said, we're going to be praying for you. With that, could we pray for you? We would love that. They were so open. Just thinking of Sebastian's word. Why do we decide how open people are going to be? We have a helper that's going to help us with this, who's already out in front of us. So, again, invoke the presence of the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. What do you want me to say? How do you want me to pray? How do you want me to deal with this situation? You might say, I'm afraid. I feel unworthy. I feel like my life's a mess. I feel like I don't even care about evangelism, but I want to care. You have a helper. Third way he helps. Look at the third block of text. He will, down at the bottom of the page, he will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and he will declare it to you. Look at the beginning of that section of John 16. It says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. This is Jesus talking. It is to your advantage that I go away. How could that possibly be a good thing that Jesus is going away? I mean, wouldn't you rather have Jesus himself up here preaching, celebrating at the Lord's table. Who, who was that priest? Father Woodley, something or other? Who was that guy? It was Jesus was here. How is that to our advantage? He says, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. This helper is going to be, lead us into the presence of Jesus in a way that's even deeper and better than bodily presence. And it says, when the Spirit comes, he will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. He will point to me and he will lift me up and exalt me so you can see who I really am. So our basic problem as Christians, we believe, is our basic problem is sin. Sin's pretty bad. I think we can all agree on that. What is sin? Well, here's one definition that the church has used. It's a Latin phrase, incurvatus in se. It means to be curled or curved in on yourself. After the first service, somebody said, 
like an armadillo that's scared, right? I said, yeah, that's great. Can I use that? That's good. It's like an armadillo that's scared, balled in on itself, curved in on itself. The Holy Spirit uncurves us like, like, you're, like this. The Holy Spirit lifts us up so we can see the glory and the goodness of Christ. It's like you're walking through the woods and it's a beautiful day like yesterday, 80 degrees, nice breeze, spring is in the air, and you're walking through the woods with a friend, but, but you're kind of depressed, or your head is down, and you're walking like this, and your friend keeps nudging you and go, look, did you see that cardinal? Did you see that cardinal in the tree? It's like, oh, look at that tree over there. You see the blossoms on that tree? Are you kidding me? That is glorious. Did you see that grove of wildflowers? That's the Holy Spirit. What the Holy Spirit wants to do with us is go, look, get out of yourself. Get out of your problems. Get out of your resentments. Get out of your fears. Get out of your anxieties. Get out of your selfishness and pray, come, Holy Spirit, come. Lead me into the presence of the one who can truly transform me, Jesus. You have a helper who will help you with this. What is the first thing to do to get help? You have to tell the one who can help you that you need help. You have to admit that you need help. The Yiddish writer, uh, Jewish Yiddish writer, Isaac Bashevis Singer once said, I only pray when I'm in trouble, but I'm always in trouble, so I'm always praying. I love that, and I think Jesus would like that. My Yiddish friend, Isaac Bashevis, that is so good. I'm always in trouble, always everywhere at every point of the line. There's not one day that goes by when I don't need help with something, especially as it relates to the spiritual life, especially because Jesus has asked me to do something impossible. You know, sometimes we think the Christian life is all about Jesus lays down all these ethical demands. He says, do all this great, amazing stuff, and then see ya. Hope it works out for you. That's not the Christian life. Christian life is being empowered by the presence of Jesus. And we celebrate that every Sunday as we come to the Lord's table. We're, we're feasting on Christ and on his presence. We're like, we need that. And we're invoking the presence of the Holy Spirit. You know, I just think in some ways COVID has really isolated us from each other. It's isolated from us from others that need help. It's isolated us from the fact that we need help. It's, uh, sometimes it's made us live with our fears and, uh, and our trauma and our um, anxieties all by ourselves and our failures and our sin all by ourselves, curved us in on ourselves. Well, here, here, Jesus here inviting us into a richer, deeper life a life within the life of the helper. So we cry out to him from the day we were born, and maybe we forget, but we call out to him until the day we die. We're calling out to him. So church, invoke his presence. Pray with the church, as the church has always prayed. Come, Holy Spirit, come.
In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. Our vision at Church of the Resurrection is to equip everyone for transformation. As part of that vision, we love to share dynamic teaching, original music, and stories of transformation. For more of what you heard today, check out the rest of our podcast. To learn more about our ministry, visit churchres.org.